Sam, what have you gathered from today? Just from just give me a, a quick overview. I'll give you a couple things. Good. So I think the first thing I would say is that, you know, uh, Scott Frost is either in, like, midseason mode or there's just a little bit of, like, uh, hmm, this is going to be tough mode. I mean, you two both know him way better than I do. And so I think there's just a sense of, like, um, you know, it was it was pretty businesslike. It was pretty straightforward. But it was also a little, like, he, he, he admitted today that he's a little sad that he's not going to be tall in plays and that he – he doesn't know what he would do down on the field if he was, he wasn't, you know. So, like, I think that CEO transition is still taking time. Yeah. Like, that's still a journey for him. One. Two, um, you know, Trev Albert seems like the CEO in a lot of ways. He seems like the guy that, that actually kind of has the global view of the program. And um, he almost, in some ways, just feels like the, the other person that we go talk to here. Scott talks, and then we're like, where's Trev? And, you know, <laughs> And he was back there, and it was like, because we knew we were going to talk to him, and it was like, you know, this guy is now, and I wrote this when Trev took the job a year ago, Scott, have, Scott has a real boss now, like, Bill, and this was, Bill didn't really help that much, and he wasn't a real boss. Bill was very f- focused on a lot of other things, and, you know, so Scott has one now, and I think it's probably been a unique transition. Um, and then the other thing is, you know, from Kevin Warren, I think the Big Ten has left the door wide open to add more teams. Yeah. Um, now that whether Notre Dame says yes or not, we're going to see. But I think, you know, Kevin Warren, in the two years since he's become, well, he's been commissioner, this is his third year, he's come completely different in the last two years. I think Kevin Warren's got a pretty big stature now in the league, um, and it's just a different different vibe. There's, there's a confidence, and, you know, he said the word aggressive and bold many times. The Big Ten is on the offense, and, and so this league is only going to get tougher and better. Nebraska's in it, but they're not going to win it unless they are right on that cutting edge. So I think the the thing that you get from Warren is this is not – we're not going to stand pat. If there's anything that we can do, if it makes sense, they're going to do it. So I think those are the three things that I got away from it. Warren's really kind of grown into that role and feels like he's trying to push the envelope on the league. So what, what team – I mean, obviously Ohio State on paper and in – most likely in in reality is step or two above yeah. everybody else yeah give me two teams or maybe three that we're going to hear about that could possibly challenge them but be the that second strong team well the reality is that that michigan is perpetually best positioned to do that but their coach is unique and it's really hard to determine where he's going to be year to year so i'd actually say michigan state so long as they can keep mel, mel tucker so he's there, but I, I think the the massive contract he got will not keep him there if the right NFL job comes open. Wow. I just don't. Um, I think he would go to the NFL because he's an NFL-style coach. I think that's why he fit well at Michigan State. He's such a contrast to Harbaugh, who was in the NFL, but is a college coach all the way. But they got to keep him about five years, and then maybe they can kind of get up to that because when those two teams played last year, I think it was 63-14. It wasn't close. Um, and then, you know, on the west side – Wisconsin has a ceiling. We've seen it, and they've kind of taken a little bit of a dip. Really, reality is USC, which isn't here yet. That would be the USC and UCLA. The teams in the West are not well positioned to have the high ceiling Ohio State does. The two teams in the West that might is Nebraska. They have the potential if they can get it going and they get the you know they get the right situation. 
And I think Purdue plays the right kind of offense to compete game in, game out with Ohio State. Yeah. And they've shown that they give them uh, Ohio, they give Ohio State they problems. Do. They gave Iowa problems, or they beat Ohio State that one year. But they, they beat Iowa badly. They last beat year. Iowa. Yeah. Um, what do you think? I guess we'll just stick with Nebraska. Um, what's your feeling with them? I mean, what what do you think their ceiling is this year versus what their floor is? So I do a range at the beginning of each year, and it's a huge range. Let's be honest. Some t- some years it's been tighter, but I feel like it's really big this year. Um, I think I really do think Nebraska can win nine games. I really do. Um, they have the capability of doing that. I, th- I think um, I do think they have a chance to beat Oklahoma. Not a, not a great chance, but in their home stadium, they got a chance. Um, that guy, their quarterback's never played in that kind of stadium before. A brand new head coach who's going to take some time. That'll be their first tough game. So they got a chance to beat Oklahoma. They have a chance to win nine, and I think the floor is probably five. And that's you know that's if they lose all the the toss-up game. So I feel like I feel very good that they will beat, um, honestly, Northwestern, North Dakota, Georgia, Southern, Rutgers, and Indiana. I think if you're losing any of those games, it's trouble. Um, at the same time, I think their ceiling can be nine. I think their floor is five. Usually it's tighter than that. Um, and I think seven seems reasonable to me. If they get to seven, I think the conversation that we're having is a two-year conversation. If they get to five, I think it's a one-year I think if it's six, um, we'll see. And the reality is, we'll know a lot about this team by the time that they play. Uh, by the time they get to November, Sam, you've been around. You've been around the program for a long, awful long time. Wow! Right? Since is it, since '96? <laughs> your <laughs> my since junior year. Your junior year. Do you get a sense? Is there a feeling? Is there a different feeling with this football team than there have been in the last four years? Well. I with the, the coaches, yeah. with Whipple, with, you know, Mickey, with bringing in 50. Whoever thought. Now, when we started this thing as far as the NIL transfer portal, mm-hmm. right, in a million years I didn't think we were going to get 14 guys. Right. Which probably 10 of them will, will probably help us. No question. Right? The hit rate right. needs to be that high this year. It has to be. Oh, no question. Right. So Otherwise, they didn't get it right. It changed, to me, the complexity of Nebraska football. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not. From a okay, we're gonna go for we're gonna go ten and two, mm-hmm. but definitely the nine and three. And I think I I think more so, it changes the locker room. Mm-hmm. I had a chance to talk to Oshan, you know, and and his mindset changes the locker room. I believe right, that. Trey Palmer, his mindset changes the locker room. It does, yeah. You know, and so I I just was wondering how you looked at that. Did you see a you know, have you seen a difference? Is there a different buzz about what we got going on here? Well, there's there there are a lot of players who are here, I think, A, because of NAL, but B, because, you know, they wanted to go to another spot and they want to maximize their opportunities. They, they were successful at other schools. I think people who followed Trey Palmer would call him a disappointment up to this point, but, you know, he had 31 catches last year. Um, he's a good player. So, like, it's not that he's not really a disappointment. Uh, so these guys have had success at other schools. They come from big schools. Nothing will be too big for Casey Thompson. He's played in huge games. Nothing will be big, too big for Trey Palmer. So they're going to come in with that confidence. I think the biggest shift is the coaches. So two coaches in particular. Mark Whipple is very uh, – uh, he's Mark Whipple. He's, he's been a head coach. He's got kind of a big ego, which I think a lot of times you've got to have. And I think he is – when you get in the – 
the 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 firefight, so to speak, of a game. I I think Mark Whipple's going to be like Scott. I'm calling this. I'm calling this. Right. There's going to be a strength of personality there, and then Mickey. And I think the thing that Mickey gives you is, and my colleague Tom Chattel has talked about this really well. He just gives a voice of truth to the operation. In other words, Mickey is kind of an unvarnished, honest, straightforward. Guys, I have been around X, and I can tell you right now that your effort, the standard which you're holding yourself to, is not X. <laughs> it's not even close. Now, this is not a knock on Matt Lubick, who was, was kind to me and all the rest, but there's just no comparison between the kind of person that Matt Lubick can be with those receivers and Mickey, Mickey is able to talk, and not just with those players, but with really anybody on that team. I think Mickey can present a – he's got the associate head coach role. He can talk to anybody on that team. I don't think it's going to be – I don't think it's going to be hard for him. And so those two coaches, I think, are distinctly different, and it will be, just my sense of it, a little challenging to Scott. Though both of them will. Scott's going to have to learn. There, there, there are strengths that Scott Frost brings to the table um, that I'm not sure either one of them have. But Scott's got to use his strength and then let their strengths and then kind of meld all that together. And he's, he can't be, he can't, you know, he can't be, I don't know, threaten's the wrong word, but he can't, he can't feel like he's got to override that impulse that Mark Whipple has mm. to do something on offense. And he's got to kind of let Mickey do something as a coach. He's got to be able to trust people's strengths. Sure. He's got coaches with strengths. He's got to trust them. Right. I think they, both of those guys' strengths are stronger than the one guy that they both replaced, which is Matt Lubick and Mario Verdusco. Mario was a nice guy. But he's not Mark Whipple, right? Not not, not by no stretch of Mark. Not having access to the assistant coaches. What do you thought about that? Well, if we're just talking from a media perspective, I think um, it's always beneficial for me to be able to talk to them because they can give a perspective on specific players. Um, I do think that this particular group of assistant coaches are a little bit more equipped and honest to do that. I will say, toward the end of last year, I'm not going. I I, I need to be honest. There were times when Verduzco and Held went and talked, and I'm like, I don't know what they're, I don't know why they're even out here, because they're not. They weren't really answering any questions. At one point, Mara's like, I don't want to do this anymore. He came, you know, he just said this. I don't want to do this anymore. It's just these questions are so hard on Adrian. I'm like, yep, you need to be done. Like that. That's when, if you don't like the questions, and you're you're talking about cats and guns and all the things that Mario, all the lingo that Mario would use, and he didn't make, didn't add up. That's when, as a reporter, and there's, there's other reporters that will stay there for 12 minutes you know, with their recorders, and I just walk away because I'm like, you're not going to say anything. I'm done. <laughs> and so I do want assistants that say stuff. Don't just talk for 12 minutes. And I felt like a couple last year got to that point. But Sean Becton, every time he spoke, that's eight minutes of gold. Um, and I hate losing that. And Mickey's the same way. He's very, very, very good. We'll get to talk to Whipple. I think that's important. Whipple won't lie, and he may be blunter in some circumstances than maybe some of the position coaches will be. If they have, if the if the receivers have a bad game, I don't know that Mark Whipple is going to couch that in anything other than, yeah, they didn't catch the ball, they dropped the ball. Like he, they <laughs> right. just better be prepared. Right, for that. right, straightforward. This is what it is. Your three, give me your uh, breakout player on offense, defense, special teams. Well, if you do, you count Trey Palmer as a breakout player. I guess you yeah. do. You have to. Everybody, you have to. Everybody's up. They, they don't have anybody on offense. And you can put them at special teams and, and maybe add someone else to the offense. But who would be the three guys 
Okay. On those three, let's yeah. Let's do that. Yeah. So let's say, let's say Trey Palmer on special teams as a punt returner. Um, hard to return punts in college football. The punters have gotten too good. Uh, your kick return is more important. Uh, and, and in some ways you have to be able to return a kickoff to the 50 and do that once every three games. Um, the punter is the most important. I, Scott was right today. So Scott, I think his God has kind of, he said the most important unit is the punt team. He's right. The punt team controls field position in the Big Ten in ways that your kicker can't and all that other stuff. So the most important guy is Brian Buschini. But Trey Palmer, okay. There's your breakout guy there. Uh, Anthony Grant on, on offense, they need a – so, okay, so the both of you know this because you, when you played, there wasn't just one great running back. There were several. Multiple. So I think your, your senior year was Amon yep. and Correll. Yep. I think Dan Alexander was there too. Yep. And your senior year it was Correll and Dan. And, and Jay Sims was there. <laughs> so the point is, though, that, like, there is a difference between a running back by committee – and having Amon Green, and then having other good running backs. Right. And the difference is the same difference we saw when Amir Abdullah was there. Uh, to have a great running back does actually matter. I know it's been a diminished position in the NFL, I get it, but, man, it would be good if somebody was great. Right. And the last guy that they had, had who had great potential was Maurice, and he was pretty troubled, and, you know, he's not here anymore for, for, re- for good reasons. But Mo was talented. Like, he could make something out of nothing. They need a player who can do that, who does not have to have perfect blocking uh, and does not run into the rear end of the lineman. There's just no other way to put that. They've got guys on the team. I'm not going to knock anybody, but you know this. they got got running backs who, if they get to the second level, are pretty good. It's the problem is they run into into Cam Juergens' butt last year. Or they don't make someone miss. That's right. They've got to find a guy that in the first five yards does something unique and, you know, like Amon did. Uh, and again, Nebraska had such an incredible run of running backs, really from the time before I was born. I was born in 1977, all the way through Amir Abdullah. Yeah, there was very few gaps in that in that space. There just wasn't. Um, NFL back after NFL back after NFL back. Corey Ross was in the NFL. Brandon yep. Jackson was in the NFL. Corey Buckalter, Buck- Dan Alexander. Buckalter was really good. Yeah, Roy Hallou, Rex, Amir, and then it stopped. And it, you got to find a way to get that going again because. Um, I was talking to Chuck Long a couple years ago. He was an Iowa guy. And he said the biggest difference between Wisconsin and Iowa, and he's an Iowa guy, he said the biggest difference between those two programs is the running back. Wisconsin gets the guy, we, and he said, we don't. <laughs> so I think it matters. I think it matters in this league, and I yeah. think Nebraska's got to get better there. What about defensively? Uh, uh, well, Reimer, I think, is already broken out. I think he's a good player. I don't count O'Shawn. He's done too much to say that he would be a breakout player. Um, I'll go with Marquise Buford. Ooh, that's a hard one. It's actually that's hard. tough. Maybe Tommy Hill too. Like they, obviously, they have question marks in the secondary that I'm not sure will be answered right away. But they have a good coach back there, and he has developed multiple NFL players. So I trust him. Sam McEwen, ladies right. and gentlemen.